Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by National Hockey Now. It is Friday, October 21st. Ian Cameron, Alex B. Smith, and joined by another guest today, Nate Rapensky. You'll remember him. He joined us during the Stanley Cup playoffs uh, last season. Happy to have Nate back with us. Nate, welcome back to the Ice Guys. Yeah, well, thanks, guys. Appreciate uh, being back on the show. Obviously, a lot of fun last time. We've uh, we got some really interesting early uh, NHL action and in the season, so excited to be here. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where we'll start looking back at last night's uh, action. It was a huge uh, Thursday card. A lot of fascinating uh, results uh, to uh, dissect and analyze. Uh, the Montreal Canadiens 6-2 uh, against Arizona. We warned you, Arizona, don't trust them to win two games in a row. They don't do that very often. They lose 6-2. I do want to bring up one thing in that game. It's nothing to do with anything on the scoreboard. Arbor Jackye, you want to step to this guy and fight him? You better be prepared for potential devastation. Uh, because that was Zach Cassian's a pretty tough hombre. He's pretty rugged. He can defend himself. He's no slouch when it comes to dropping the gloves. And it reminded me what Jack I did last night on uh, Zach Cassian of Chara with Brian McCabe. Like I would say that was like almost 20 years ago or 15 years ago, just ragdolling him. Just looked like a little kid, Zach Cassian uh, against uh, Arbor Jack I in that fight last night. Uh, <laughs> Don't, you better be ready, prepared for potential bad uh, pain, agony, and blues if you're going to step to that guy uh, right now in a fight. Uh, that was uh, pretty impressive to see uh, in that uh, Arizona-Montreal game uh, last night. So, And that's what he's there for, physical presence, stand up for his teammates. But he can play. He's just not some guy that's capable of dropping the gloves. Jack guy has got a good, play, a good game from the defensive side of it. Uh, he can move the puck. He's, he's got some ability on the blue line. Uh, and he, his story to get to the NHL has been pretty impressive. Uh, and that was an impressive beatdown he laid on the Zach Cassian last night. Pittsburgh beats L.A. 6-1. Uh, Boston beats Anaheim in a shootout 2-1. Uh, Predators continue to struggle. Another alarming, you know, very, very concerning loss for the Predators. Just the fashion they lost that game, right? They were up 3-2 uh, to two going into the uh, third period, 3-1 to one rather, going into the third period, and then four unanswered goals by the Columbus Blue Jackets to turn that game right around and a 5-3 victory. Wouldn't be the NHL in a big card without a big upset, and San Jose was that. How about that? The first win for the San Jose Sharks, and it comes of all, against all, of all teams, the New York Rangers, you know, one of the best teams in the NHL uh, last night, 3-2. to two. Uh, in that one, uh, we saw Ottawa after a sluggish first period uh, bounce back strong, five unanswered to beat Washington, five two. That was a good game for me, a sweep with Ottawa team total, Ottawa money line, the over hit because of a very late uh, empty net goal. El Diablo, the Devils, uh, four to one uh, victory over the Islanders. That was a good result for me. Uh, Edmonton beating Carolina was not. Uh, we liked Carolina in that game to give the Oilers credit dug down needed a victory beat a really good Carolina team 6-4 and all of a sudden that Carolina defense which had only given up a goal in each of their first three games uh, they gave up a bunch in that one uh, how about the Buffalo Sabres 6-3 upset against the Calgary Flames look beating Edmonton's one thing beating Calgary though 6-3 putting six goals on the board against that Flames defense this Buffalo Sabres team now three and one to start the year and I'm telling you what their team totals are going to be a gold mine of profits this year two and a half three and a half seems like even against good defensive teams they can find the back of the net tate thompson another goal last night uh outstanding uh effort a tuck with the hat trick uh for the buffalo sabers a great win for them in calgary against the flames who clearly did not bring their best uh we saw uh minnesota a much needed win someone in the, that struggling group of teams needed was going to get a win 
It was Minnesota 4-3 in overtime. They didn't blow a multiple goal lead this time, Vancouver, but they still blew a lead in the third period and ended up losing in overtime 4-3. That was a good result. We all liked overs, Alex and I, yesterday with that game. And then I want to say salute, and it's great to have him back. Big Civ Dave. Thanks, man. You're just Mr. Relot. You're that comfort food of NHL betting for me. Whenever things are going <laughs> bad and I need a little ray of sunshine in my betting life in the National Hockey League, I can always count on Big Civ Dave to give up four goals uh, in the first period and lead me to an overcash, which we got with that Winnipeg-Vegas game. And his bad start was a big part of that. So uh, Vegas with a 5-2 to two win uh, against uh, Winnipeg. But definitely the highlights were Buffalo upsetting Calgary, San Jose upsetting the uh, New York Rangers, uh, and how about Toronto? I didn't even mention them. Uh, they come back and they beat Dallas 3-2. to two. And I've never unloaded on a player prop as, uh, for a goal score prop as nearly as much from a betting amount standpoint as I did last night with Nick Robertson at plus 500, plus 550 to score a goal in that game. I thought the price was ludicrous. You cannot pr- price any top six forward in the National Hockey League, especially a guy with a great preseason that he had in Nick Robertson at that price knowing he's going to get opportunities and minutes and chances playing with good players, Tavares and Nylander. Think about that his line mates were plus 135 and plus 155 to score a goal last night. Nick Robertson was plus 500 to plus 550. It can't happen. It's a bad job by odds makers. Terrible job, but that's why we're here to capitalize and mention these things uh, here uh, on the Ice Guys Show. And Alex, we'll turn to you. I know you had a piece of that uh, big-time plus-price goal score prop as well on Robertson, and uh, how was your night last night? Yeah, it was pretty decent. Uh, like I said, tailed that and, and cashed with the five to one winner. I mean, you've been red hot with these player props uh, in, in this first week. Hope that can continue to 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 bloom and blossom. But the biggest story for me was uh, that wild game. Had the best bet on that first period over. We get four. We only needed three. Uh, back and forth battles, just like I kind of predicted and said. You know. Vancouver has been great in the first period and the wild have been terrible in the first period. And we saw them trade off goals. And as soon as the, the uh, Vancouver took that one goal lead, this is maybe right before the end of the second period. I tweeted out, I said, we're all going to hit wild live if they score another goal. Right. And well, I didn't even wait for another goal. I just waited until the inter- intermission got wild plus plus one seventy five live played it small. They tied up late. They went into overtime. So another blown lead for Vancouver, just wonder, you know, the writing, if it's going to be on the wall for Bruce Boudreaux, I, I mean, I don't care what you did turning it around a year ago in an interim spot. If you keep losing these leads at some point, you're going to have to fire everybody. It, it, these guys may not make it to American Thanksgiving, honestly, at this point. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they keep doing this in another two weeks. They're going to be looking for an entire new coaching staff. It's just it's unacceptable. For the Wild, a much-needed win to wrap up that homestand that had been absolutely abysmal. Now they hit the road to have an early game tomorrow against the Boston Bruins. So uh, they can see if they can try to keep that momentum rolling forward. I don't know. I would have loved to have had them play one more home game to try to bet on them. But now hitting the road, that could be a different story. Uh, like I said, Dave Riddick, arguably one of the worst backups in the league. Uh, you know, that first period over, that was easy money too. Four goals from uh, Vegas in that big route. He's a guy that we're going to be looking to fade, probably team total overs, first period overs, whenever we see his name confirmed in net. Uh, just looking at the rest of the board. Yeah, Edmonton, you know, that, that was a big game for both teams, Edmonton and, and, and Carolina. I thought Carolina was going to step up and uh, play a little bit better on the road, but Edmonton did what they needed to do. That's a win you need to have if you're Edmonton on, at home, 6-4 against a quality team in the, in the opposite conference. And you're probably only going to see them one more time. Uh, later in the year, and you, and you might see them down the road potentially if all goes well 
this summer. So a uh, big win for Edmonton, make that statement. And uh, Campbell, you know, a little bit better. You know, it, things are going to roll in due time with Edmonton. They're not going to just turn into this lockstep, shut down defensive unit and score goals. They're going to play their game of hockey. That was their game of hockey last night. 6-4, you know, but finding a way to win it. That, that's the kind of style you're going to get from Edmonton tonight in and that out. Yeah, no question. Step in the right direction for Jack Campbell. Jay Woodcroft wants to see them play better defense than they have so far. There's no question. And we know they're capable of it. They have done it at times. They did it down the stretch in the regular season last year. They were playing really good in terms of their own end. They haven't gotten back to that point so far early in the season. But, you know, Jay Woodcroft is hammering it home to his players that, hey, we, we want to be better in our own end than we've been so far these first few games. Uh, Nate, some thoughts from you on the action last night. Yeah, I, I didn't have much. As I said, I've been I've been sort of awaiting these first you know couple of weeks. Obviously, uh, a surgery last week for me on, on on an injury and an Achilles, right? So I've been out a little bit. But um, one of the things I've been playing a little bit with with my group is is the wild overs, particularly after the last game. So so did have that last night, and we got that at six and a uh, six and a half originally. And you know, Alex touched on it a little bit, right? Like the Wild have struggled with defense. Flurry hasn't been sharp, although he made some big saves last night. Um, and, uh, you know, they're able to get, you know, over seven in overtime. So I think it was a big win for a wild team, obviously, you know, still handicapped by, uh, the Parisi, uh, Suter contracts and those cap hits, and they're not able to add some of those pieces they'd like to, but I think they have a nice young team. Um, the other one that stuck out for me and, and, and didn't bet it, but, but was looking at it is, is Vegas, right? I think, um, Vegas is a little bit after missing the playoffs last year, having that sort of collapse at the end, I think is a little bit underrated in the league this year. I mean, you lose somebody like Pacioretty couple losses but but still their decor with Tador, Petrangelo, um what they have up front with a healthy stone uh you know Eichel now in the lineup every day I mean I think they just still have a lot there and should be considered really in my mind a, a favorite to to come out of the west and and potentially be a Stanley Cup contender and so um that was when I was watching and you guys mentioned it with Riddick and Net for Winnipeg but I think you know Vegas is a team I'll look to jump on puck line or when I can on the road here because I think you know they're still a bit undervalued by the market and I think the talent up and down that lineup, four lines. You, you mentioned, you know, guys like Carlson, Riley Smith. Like they just have so much depth, and so that's a team I, I look for to have a strong rebound this year for sure. And I'm muted here. Yeah, it looks like you know when you look at this uh, situation here with the uh, with the. Um, Vegas Golden Knights, uh, they've got uh, – they're basically a team where they've gotten off to a good start. I like the hire of Bruce Cassidy. We were all in the camp, myself, Alex B. Smith, our colleague Jimmy Murphy. who Again, we're waiting on Jimmy to be on. He will be at some point. He's a busy guy, but we'll get him on. But we were all in agreement, Jimmy, Alex, and I. Bruce Cassidy got a raw deal, all right, raw fucking deal with the Boston Bruins. Uh, you know, he got basically thrown under the bus for the season kind of going awry last year. And they just made the decision we're going to go in another direction. Not saying that Jim Montgomery's doing actually a solid job so far. Boston's off to a nice start. But we still didn't think that Bruce Cassidy deserved uh, to lose his job there with the Bruins. I thought it was unnecessary to, to get rid of him. Uh, so to me, when I look at this Boston Bruins team, you know, this is or this Vegas team getting Bruce Cassidy, they're, they're playing with great structure. Uh, they're actually getting the defense more involved in the play. I like that as well. And look, Jack Eichel, nice game last night. And overall, he, I still think he's got to continue to battle with consistency, but it's been a nice start for him personally as well. And I think Bruce Cassidy's coaching has certainly uh, played a role in that. And even Aiden Hill was pretty solid in net, uh, yeah. getting a rare start and 
instead of uh, Logan Thompson uh, for the Golden Knights last night. All right, let's turn our attention to the Friday night NHL card. We have three games, and we'll start with the Battle of Florida. It's always fun when these two teams go head-to-head. Tampa Bay Lightning, Florida Panthers, Florida minus 115, home favorite, six and a half uh, being the total uh, in this game. Uh, this one is, to, look, but current form-wise, for me, I lean Florida in this game because Tampa Bay's got some real concerns. You know, John Cooper, after the loss to Philly, you're, Philadelphia, we said it multiple times on this show, they've played hard every game. The commitment to team defense has clearly been stronger under John Tortorella. That being said, you can't blow a game like that if you're Tampa Bay. You're up 2 nothing to the Philadelphia Flyers at home. You're already off a game where you didn't play well against Pittsburgh, and you end up losing 3-2 to two out of the Flyers the other night. And th- the quotes from John Cooper were, I, th- I think, legit concern. I don't think it was just coach speak. It's like he really is worried for his team a little bit. He said, we should never have left that game with zero points. We should have probably left with two points in the win. This group should have closed that game out, and we didn't. That's probably a little bit of a concern. That last line, that's probably a little bit of a concern. Normally he says, you know what, our group, I feel good. You know, we've been here before. We've closed out games before. We know what it takes to win and defend leads because we've done it for years in these big playoff games and Stanley Cup playoff series. The fact that he's coming out there and saying this is a concern. Maybe he doesn't think this team's in a, in a spot right now or in a place mentally and physically where they can close out games like they once did. Because that, to me, tells you that he's worried about that their ability right now. And offensively, when's the last time, guys, you've seen Tampa Bay 30th in the league in goals? 30th right now. 2.5 goals per game this season. You take Steven Stamkos off this team, nobody else has done a thing offensively for the Tampa Bay Lightning this year. I mean, you look at their numbers. You got Stamkos with six goals, one assist, seven points in four games. He's been terrific. There's a goose egg for Nikita Kucherov. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? No, I'm not kidding. You have zero goals, a goose egg, nothing so far uh, through uh, four games uh, this season. You've got Vlad Nemesnikov, no goals. You've got Hedman, you know, with three points but no goals. Braden Point's only got one goal uh, so far. Nothing from Alex Kalorn uh, this year. Uh, Hagel's done nothing. I mean, it's, it's a concern right now. Absolutely. Nobody uh, outside of Steven Stamkos has done anything uh, in terms of production offensively for this team. I don't like where their game's at. I lean Florida here, but I think what's going to keep me off the game entirely is the spot. For Tampa Bay, it's certainly a spot where you would expect them to fire back strong. They're off two losses in a row now, and long-term, the track record off two straight losses for Tampa Bay is really strong. You know, Rarely this team has lost three-plus games in a row, but maybe this isn't the same Tampa Bay team, at least to start this season, that lost that bounced back last year, two years ago, each time they lost two in a row. This could be a different team. So I'm a little bit worried. I lean Florida. I'm probably not going to bet the game. Totals-wise, it could go either way. But I still think this could be an underspot. Florida doesn't want to play quite the same pace as they did last year, even though some of their recent games have gone over, and it was lucky as shit for their last game to go over the total against Philadelphia with that late goal. And Tampa Bay's not scoring at the moment. Offense has been dry. So I'd actually lean under six and a half in this game. As far as the props go, there's one that stands out for Florida, Colin White. All right, keep an eye on him. He's on the third line uh, for the Florida Panthers. You could take a shot with Verhage. He's been in good form, two goals already. Matthew Kachuk, Reinhardt, Bennett, Barkov, Balsers. I wouldn't argue with those guys, but Colin White on the third line for the Florida Panthers, and he's got two goals, two assists, and four points in four games this year. 
for the Panthers on that third line. So if you want a little bargain bin value with your player props, Colin White for Florida uh, might be a decent uh, option uh, for this game tonight. Alex, what are you thinking here? Lightning Panthers. This is going to be a game I'm more than likely going to pass, uh, but I lean with the under six and a half. You get plus 115. You know, you've mentioned about Florida, how you know they're trying to play a different style of hockey. Uh, you know, Tampa not getting the offense. The one thing that scares me about this, and the reason why it's not an official play, is because these two teams absolutely despise one another. Uh, this is the first meeting since you know what happened last uh, offseason. Tampa Bay sweeping Florida out of the playoffs. The whole uh, game three, game four debacle. You know, where the Panthers hanging out at strip club late into the night before uh, the fourth game, and, and all that stuff. And, Said more Thank than you. I had forgotten it. about that, Alex. Yeah, great, yeah. Great 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 <laughs> well, yeah, more than more than happy to, to remember those uh, series because that was a good one. I called that sweep happening after uh, the way Florida came out lifeless in game one. And, of course, uh, in game two, I bet Florida, they didn't win the first period, which they didn't. I said Tampa would go on and sweep. So, end up cashing a 7-1 ticket off of that. So, uh, not the same Tampa Bay team, not the same Florida team that we saw from just a, a few months ago. These are two different teams, and they're both struggling to score. And the fact they both hate each other, however, is that, you know, can this get rough and chippy, you know, after the whistle? Can we see a lot of power play opportunities? And these are two teams that are still dangerous when you give them power play chances. So that's the one caveat I have toward uh, batting the under. So it's just a lean here. Just a lean to the under. Kind of like me. I lean Florida. I lean under. I'm probably going to stay off here to, uh, in this one. Nate, uh, what about you, Tampa Bay and Florida? Yeah, I think I like the under. I mean, I'm still getting, uh, although a little bit of juice on it on FanDuel, uh, the under seven. Uh, it's I think it's minus one thirty or something. Last I looked, it's a little bit, a little bit of juice. But um, maybe you play it to six and a half. I, I was looking at the stats. I mean, Tampa just has an abysmal, and, and some of this might regress to the mean, but an abysmal shooting percentage, right? Four and a half percent. They're they're bottom in the NHL. Um, so you know that, that hasn't worked well for them. It just doesn't seem like to me, too, with Tampa, you look at that second line and some of the guys they lost, Palat, in a lot of ways, to me, was like the straw that you know stirred the drink for the team uh, from a depth perspective. I don't like Alex Killorn playing on the second line. He's a great player. He's a straight lines, hard, heavy guy, but like he's not a second line player to me. I mean, in all of the playoffs last year, I think he had in 23 games, he had two or three assists. That was it. He was off the score sheet goals completely. So I just don't like, you know, Stamkos definitely has the goals. He's playing with Killorn, but a lot of that comes on that first power play unit for him. So I lean under here with just Tampa's lineup. I don't think it's as dynamic as it's been. I think they miss a guy like Ryan McDonough. I don't think the DR as you know, good puck moving as they used to be. Um, and then when you look at Florida, on the other hand, shooting percentage, and you talk a little bit, again, regression to the mean, they're at 10%, right? They're top of the league, and, and I expect that to come down. So you look at two goalies, Bobrovsky, who's gotten off to a good start, Vasilevsky, you know, obviously one of the best goalies in the league. I kind of lean under here, and the only fear I have, to Alex's point, you let these two dangerous power play units get out there, but I think both teams are a little bit different, and the firepower is not exactly there. So you know, under six and a half, or you can get seven for me is is the play, and and I'm actually you know looking to to bet that, not super heavy, but but definitely uh, you know a unit or a half a unit on that. It might be worth it, Nate, to get the seven because we've seen a lot of four, three, five, two final scores. I find that's been happening a lot. This right. year in the NHL, so if, uh, it's it's pricey. I think even I just saw on uh, the Bet Stamp app that uh, you've got uh, under seven minus one forty four now on FanDuel. Okay. Well, it's so going. It might be going up now. Yeah, yeah, it might be going up. But you know what? It might be worth it. Just a little security to go up to get the seven. 
instead of the sure. six and a half. Uh, that's one time uh, usually when it's six and a half versus seven for an under, I'll try to find a seven. And if I got to lay a few extra uh, cents on it, uh, and you know, instead of six and a half, you know, at plus a hundred, minus one ten, and uh, under seven at minus one thirty or forty, I'll, I'll take the seven. So I think it's that important to have that extra uh, little bit of security because seven is becoming the new common final score. Ten years ago, it was six. You know, six was a common final score or five. Yeah. We had a lot of three, two games, 10, 20 years ago, and you'd have some sixes. Now seven is becoming more of a common final score uh, because of just the increase in scoring the last few years. So uh, definitely, uh, I think if you like Nate's under in this Tampa Bay, Florida game, that's not a bad option to buy up and uh, get the uh, seven. All right, Detroit and Chicago, the home opener, the madhouse on Matt. I don't know how mad it's going to be. It'll be more like a church on Madison maybe tonight and the rest of the uh, season. But you've got Detroit, Chicago. Uh, you've got uh, Detroit minus 115 road favorite, six and a half the total in this game. How about the fact this opened minus 130 on Detroit? We've seen money come in on Chicago, believe it or not. Home opener, Detroit is dealing with a couple of key absences up front in the top six forward group. Jacob Braun is dealing with personal matters. He's away from the team. Uh, we hope everything's going to be well with him uh, long-term, no doubt. And, and, of course, Tyler Bertuzzi is going to be out for a long period of time. So I think there's some reaction to that. Uh, but, you know, I, I think they've got enough forward-wise to still be able to produce offensively. I like, you know, what I've seen from a lot of different players on this Red Wings team early in the season. I mean, they are an overtime loss away from uh, being undefeated so far this season. They beat Montreal in their first game. They beat New Jersey on the road on a back-to-back, -back, uh, and they uh, lost to L.A. in overtime in their last game. So that close to being undefeated. Now, has their schedule been tough so far? Not really, but it's not. It's like it's not like it's getting it much tougher here uh, facing the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. So it's a winnable game here for Detroit. There is one nagging concern I have for the Red Wings tonight, and it's their futility in Chicago. It's pretty crazy that they have really struggled at the United Center and in Chicago. They've lost four straight, and long-term, I believe it's 5-14, and 14, you know, in their last 19 trips uh, to Chicago. But a lot of bad Detroit teams were in that mix, uh, and uh, some really good Chicago teams, if you go way back to, obviously, the uh, 2010 decade when you had all those great Stanley Cup playoff years for the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. So, do need to take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. It's finally a year where Detroit looks like the better team uh, in this one. Uh, I like Detroit here at the at the reasonable price, minus 110, minus 115. I'll, Alex, of course, is a Blackhawks fan. I'm interested to hear his th thought on this. I think it's horrible what the NHL has done scheduling-wise to Chicago here. How do you play three and four nights to begin the season, right? In Colorado, in Vegas, in San Jose, you're off six fucking days after that? And, and now all of a sudden, I'm worried about this long layoff for Chicago, not playing in a long period of time. We know long term, we've seen these spots. Remember when the NHL was giving teams this one week break and, and they'd come back from the one week break and they'd play poorly in that first game. So I, I'm really worried about that here for Chicago in this spot that they've been off since, you know, last uh, Saturday when they played uh, San Jose. You know, that is a long period of time uh, to be uh, cooling your heels. And early in the season like this, a week into the year, you want to play. You want to get into a rhythm. You want to get into a routine. You want to be playing every other day, you know, so you can really get that game speed and really get into that routine and rhythm as a hockey team. You don't want to be playing three games in four days and then you're cooling your heels for six days after that. So it does worry me a little bit for the Blackhawks here tonight in this game. And to be quite honest with you, I just think Detroit, a better group right now 
uh, a better squad. Perron, definitely from a prop standpoint, three goals, one assist, four points. You can't go wrong with that. Uh, four points for uh, Larkin, one goal, three assists. He's gotten off to a nice start, but certainly I like Perron to score a goal. You could even go with point props too, or goal props if you like on Larkin and, and Sunquist juices. You know, Oscar Sunquist. You know, he's a guy that <laughs> he's a guy that got the tying goal the other night against LA, and I think it's worth a sprinkle too on Dom Kubalik. Uh, for the Detroit Red Wings as well. We always know that when a player plays their former team, uh, especially for the first time, uh, they want to make an impact. So I think the Dom Kubelik props worth a look. But, yeah, I think it's a cheap number. I think it's a bargain on the better squad here, the Detroit Red Wings. The one concern is their futility and their struggles long-term in Chicago. But I think this is the best Detroit team in a while. We know Chicago is not going to have a very good season. Credit to them beating San Jose. Uh, but I don't think they're going to be able to follow that up tonight. And I hate the six-day layoff. I think it's a bad thing for this Blackhawks team. So I like Detroit here at the reasonable price, minus 110, minus 115. Alex, what do you think here, Red Wings, Blackhawks? I got to go with an old not-so-fast, my friend. Oh, going homer tonight. I like it. I am. And here's the thing. Here's the reason why. I would normally be right there with you as far as having a, a break early in the action. I think that's terrible. In the NHL, I think – as far as I know, they are throwing those mandated five-game uh, days off into everyone's schedule. Some teams draw them early. Some teams draw them in the middle of the year. Some teams draw them late. That's just how they how they shake out. But with the way the Hawks played, as bad as they were at the end of the preseason, and then to play against Colorado, one of the best teams in the league, in their opening night, play against Vegas in an electric atmosphere in a tough game, and then you play a bottom feeder in San Jose and get the win – they almost can kind of treat tonight like a second season opener and, and yep. kind of look at that as like a like a step up of, of a preseason. So it gives them time to build. Now, obviously, Chicago is not the better of these two teams right now or even in a full season. But in this particular spot, you're going to have arguably, other than when they retire Marion Hulse's number on November 20th, this is going to be the biggest crowd of the year. You got Detroit coming into town, your hated rivals, even though we only play them twice a year. So this is the one and only time they come to the UC on an opening night. Uh, this is going to be more than likely Patrick Kane's last opening night wearing a Hawks uniform. Think about how he started his career. It was 14, 15 years ago against this Red Wings team. Uh, and, you know, what was the beginning of that franchise turnaround? Now to be in a, a whole new generation and a whole new chapter of Hawks hockey, having him at number 19 standing there side by side, the, this better be the madhouse of Madison. It, you know, like I said, it's going to be a mausoleum on Madison in about two or three months from now. But for tonight against Detroit in the home opener, and this team's had days off, Hawks need to come out guns blazing in this game. I like the Hawks' first period. Give me Sir Patrick Kane to score a goal at plus 180. And I think this is going to be a kind of a back-and-forth battle. Might even lean toward the draw here. Uh, would not be shocked if this is a, a tightly contested game. We saw some overtime meetings uh, with Chicago and Detroit going back to that uh, shortened season where they were division rivals once again. So uh, I think the Hawks come out hot here. I don't know if they can keep it going for 60 minutes because they are still a bad team. But uh, the 20,000-plus should be rocking and rolling, and, and that team should be ready to go at least in the first 20 minutes of action. So Hawks first period, Patrick Kane, anytime goal scorer tonight. And there as you go. always, Detroit sucks. Yeah, <laughs> There we go. Well, we, we can hope for a Chicago 2-1 lead after one and or one nothing lead after one, and Detroit comes back and wins, and everybody's happy. Uh, although Alex may not be happy about that either. Uh, he doesn't want to see Detroit win at all. Uh, he doesn't give two shits about my bet. But uh, nevertheless, uh, we've got uh, 
like I say, a good point by occupancy in the chat. And we'll have to get you on the show too at some point, uh, occupancy during the season as well. We're going to try to get as many guests every, as many days as possible. And you're on the radar too. Terry Edelman will get you on. Melissa will get you on uh, definitely uh, throughout the uh, course of the season. Uh, no doubt about that. Um, but I want to mention Elmer Soderblom because occupancy brought him up. He did uh, score uh, one of the goals against LA uh, the other night uh, in that game. And uh, pretty good play. He's been pretty good. He's been noticeable. You know, he's had chances. He's had opportunities. I like what I've seen. Uh, you can actually find him. Not every book has uh, his goal score prop posted, but you can get plus 500 at points bet, plus 575 at Caesars on him to score a goal tonight for the uh, Detroit Red Wings. And Soderblom with Michael Rasmussen and, and uh, on that third line with uh, Rasmussen and um, Oscar Sundquist. It's been an effective line. You know, they're known as a checking line, but they've actually gotten some good offensive zone time and some scoring chances so far uh, this year. So, you know, if you want to put a couple bucks on Soderblom, you know, plus 550 in some spots to score. Isn't it historically the, like, largest line by weight in history? Yeah, it, I, I believe it, it's, it is. It's a big line, you're right, in yeah. terms of just their physical stature. Uh, no question about that. And they're hard on the puck, you know, and it's hard to get the puck away from them. That's why they're an effective line. You know, and that's why they're very good in a defensive role as well. But as I mentioned, they've had some offensive uh, opportunities as well. All right, Nate, where are you going here with this Detroit-Chicago game? Oh, man, I I, uh, I think I'm going to side with you, Ian, and I hate to go against uh, Alex. Obviously, a big sort of um, you know, Chicago hoping for sort of like, to his point, a TSN turning point, you know, renewal, clean slate to the season after six days off. But I see the same thing as you. I mean, six days, I think, is um, is an eternity uh, in the NHL. I mean, you're going to come back on the ice. And your, your, you know, your gear is going to feel a little bit different. Six days, no matter what level you're playing at, is a lot. So I think that's going to be tough. I actually lean Detroit first period for that reason. Um, I think when you look at Chicago, just the number of guys they've lost to bring it, these, you know, these guys that were, were chipping in and getting on the goal sheet for them, they just don't have enough offense. I mean, Jonathan Taves is is not near, obviously, what he was. Patrick Kane, kind of the same, although he's, you know, had had a decent year last year. So I'm on Detroit um, first period and, and likely for the game. I also, when you look at the goaltender matchup, I like Billy Huso uh, as opposed to Peter Mrazek. I mean, I'll take that every day. Um, so I'm on Detroit here. The other thing I'd, I'd lean on, um, actually going back to last game, if I may, quick, I'd take, I didn't mention it, but Alex Kalorn under a point or under a half a point, minus 120. For a guy who has two assists this year, who had, um, you know, two assists in 23 playoff games. He's on the second power play unit. I'm all over that. I, I don't think he's getting into the action tonight. But um, for me, uh, Detroit tonight, and, and it's one of the ones I like at the low price. I think they've been playing well. They hemmed Montreal in, in that first game. Just a lot of young talent on that team. But um, it, it is kind of a bummer when you look at a matchup like this, given the story sort of rivalry between these franchises. And we look at tonight, and it's like, you know, really these teams are not going to be contending. And so it's sad, uh, you know, given what these matchups used to mean. And and the star power that used to be on the ice. But um, for me, Detroit, with uh, with the way the teams are at. Well, and that's the thing, too, with this matchup is that no matter where – and we, you know, if you look back in the last 30 years, we've seen the gamut run. I mean, Detroit was the, the power in the NHL and the, the Hawks were the doormat. And then things flipped around. Detroit then moves to the Eastern Conference uh, at the height of Chicago's power. And now you're back to where it was, you know, arguably in the 2000s, where Chicago's the doormat, Detroit's a building team, trying to get back to some resemblance of, the, of their top tier glory. But uh, like I said, you know, that's all the more reason why this should be uh, an important game for the Hawks. Like I said, you know, the, the, the history and tradition of these two teams is never lost on, on, on any, you know, group or any generation of players for either side. 
regardless of the fact that they don't play as division division rivals. So, uh, and, and with the Hawks, I mean, if you, you're wearing this sweater, you should be taking some pride and honor playing Detroit, no matter how good or bad you are. Those those teams in the late '90s, early 2000s, if they didn't beat anybody else, if they were at least tie or beat Detroit, they knew that was important in not only their eyes but all the fans' eyes as well. Fair point for sure. Yeah, no question. Uh, someone is, is liking our guest, Nate, Zach F., saying this guy makes some valid points. He he knew uh, in the uh, chat here. There it is. This guy makes it. Yeah, that would be Nate. So you, you got some fans, Nate, uh, in our uh, chat. There Certainly not talking about Alex or I. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think they are, but happy to be here. Yeah, you know, looking at uh, – took a, took a peek through some of the advanced metrics today, uh, and, and I guess it helped me. Yeah, it is. I, I like keeping an eye on that stuff, too, like uh, the Corsi number shooting percentages, which you brought up with uh, Tampa. It's good to know that. It's good to incorporate that. You never base all your decisions off it, but it's definitely a good to, Shooting uh, percentage you know, and total shots, I think those are the two most important advanced metrics to yeah. transfer directly over into betting. Where Corsi and Fenwick, you can incorporate it into parts of your handicap, especially when you're looking like at totals and things like that. But, but how frequently a team shoots the puck and how frequently it comes off their stick toward the net – that's is more important because shots on goal, and it actually kind of leads into a little bit of an interesting thing. I don't know if you've seen people kind of arguing discrepancies over shot on goal counts, which is really a big problem possibly because we're all betting shots on goals over and under. Yeah. And if the league and the and the and the networks can't get right how many shots are on goal, because a perfect example is Matt Boldy the other night in that game with. Uh, with LA, I had his over four, uh, you know, over two and a half shots. He gets there, but he really should have had five shots counted that I physically watched, and they only gave him three. So that's something to kind of keep in mind when we talk about these player props, looking at the over unders on shot on goals or, or a number. You know, sometimes I, I'll bet something like four or more goals or four or more shots rather uh, on goal. You got to be careful how your books grade those things because uh, if they were going straight off of the NHL website at the end of the game or if they're counting them in game you might get some different things and things might be voided so check with your sports books we always say that check with your sports book rules for different things to, to make sure you know that you're making a bet you can uh safely cash it and, and, and get credit for it where it's due i was thinking to myself is, is has a tennessee you been on the top line to this point alex or is tonight going to be his first night on the top tonight's going to be his official line. first night he was he That's was slotted in at times during yeah. the game but as far as a starting spot uh more than likely he yeah it'll be him domi kane uh getting the starting yeah. for sure. i think his there you go well, that's the betting yeah. angle. Yep, you know it. Yep, moving up the lineup. That's and and you know what? I would, I would actually Greek stallion. <laughs> I and you know what? And I, I like I said, I use cap friendly to kind of look at my uh, the depth charts for lines. Don't be shocked if because of this being the big night, and of course, like I said, with Kane and Taves, it's more than likely to be their last home opener. Don't be shocked if Taves, if if, if uh, Taves centers that line to start the game, yeah. that first shift, and then we see Domi plugged in. That's so just for those fantasy and player prop uh, reasons. Domi is going to be the first line center for most of the game, if not all of it, but I wouldn't be shocked if Taves takes the opening face off uh, in that first shift. Yeah. Yeah. No question. And, and it's, it's still a pretty solid price. Like you're not going to get the uh, steal, you know, uh, be, with him moving up to the top line, like you did for uh, Robertson for Toronto last night, but still you can get plus 250 to plus 260 at a lot of books for a double A. Uh, Andreas Athenasiou to uh, find the uh, back of the net here tonight for the Blackhawks. Might be worth a couple bucks. All right, final game on this Friday card. Seattle Kraken, Colorado Avalanche. We've got Colorado minus 250, home favorites, six and a half the total uh, in this game. Four games, four overs for Colorado. 
I think they're going to make it five tonight. Uh, I like over six and a half here. It was uh, probably uh, – uh, I'm giving it away for best bet, but probably my favorite bet on the card tonight is this, uh, over six and a half. Uh, I think you're going to see you know, the usual Colorado game. You're going to see them find the back of the net three, four times minimum. But this Colorado team is not locking it down defensively as we – and it's not because the blue line suddenly is bad. It's because their goaltending is more suspect. You know, Darcy Kemper had a brilliant regular season. Was he a little bit up and down in the playoffs? Yes, but right now, it's only a week, but so far, what we've seen, Alexander Georgiev and Pavel Francouz, that combination is not matching Darcy Kemper from last year. I mean, Georgiev's been okay, but he hasn't been great. They lose 4-3 uh, in overtime uh, against the uh, Winnipeg Jets on Wednesday night. Uh, so that's been an issue. Their penalty kill has really struggled. That you don't like to see. Uh, Colorado Avalanche have given up seven power play goals uh, in their first four games. So the penalty kill's not been great uh, for the Avalanche. Their power play continues to be great. So they're scoring on the power play. They're giving up a ton of goals on the penalty kill. You know, that's a good thing for overs. And when you look at the Seattle Kraken, they're obviously off to a tough one and four start, but uh, they did have their best game, I think, of the uh, uh, during this losing streak against St. Louis. They probably deserved a better fate. You know, they outplayed St. Louis for a good portion of that game, but they ended up losing 4-3 in overtime because, you know, every little mistake the Kraken made ended up in the back of their net uh, against the Blues, including that uh, game winner in overtime, just a giveaway leading to the goal that was scored by Justin Falk uh, in overtime the other night. So just those little mistakes are costing uh, the Seattle Kraken right now. So uh, I'd like over six and a half here in this game. I think you're going to get goals both ways in this game. It looks like a Philip Grubauer versus... Uh, Pavel Franco's uh, goaltending match tonight. So Grubauer and Franco is going to be the goalies confirmed uh, in this uh, game. I should point out too, it's Vasilevsky, Bobrovsky, as you would expect for Tampa Bay, Florida. And it's uh, Peter Morozik confirmed for Chicago. We don't know yet who's in net. We think it could be Vili Huso, but it's not confirmed yet uh, for the uh, Detroit Red Wings. So that's where we're at with the goalies. So I like over six and a half in this game. And look, when you look at the Colorado Avalanche, another thing worth mentioning is other than the Winnipeg game uh, on Wednesday night, which ended 2-0 after the first period, three of the four Colorado games this season, both teams have scored in the first period. So I'm going to that as well. Uh, both teams to score at plus 155 at BetMGM uh, in the uh, first period. I think that's a good look. I think it's a good chance uh, we see the Kraken and the Avalanche uh, both find the back of the net uh, in the opening 20 minutes of play here uh, in this game. Alex, uh, what are you thinking here? Seattle, Colorado. Yeah, I like high scoring uh, early and often in this contest. So I'm going first period over two. I got it at plus 110. We've seen money come and move that all the way now to where it's minus $1.05. Still think there's good value there. Uh, this just feels like it's going to be just kind of a, a, you know, a boat race of a game. Like you said, Seattle, their offense, they've been fun to watch. I mean, a lot of fun to watch. That game with St. Louis was, was, a, was a really good game the other night, uh, the late game on, on TNT Wednesday. In Colorado, like I said, they're just as good as advertised. Still, still rocking and rolling with uh, one of the, the best lineups, top to bottom. But the defense hasn't been as sturdy. The goaltending has been a bit shaky. So, like I said, this is the only thing you look here with good value would be over first period, over full game. I'm just gonna stick with that first period over. Uh, like I said, at plus at over two, if you can find a plus number, go for it. Uh, but I like it all the way till minus ten. All right, good stuff. And by the way, uh, no Devon Taves tonight for the uh, Colorado Avalanche. Undisclosed injury, so he will not play. He got 
banged up with that injury late in the Winnipeg game uh, on Wednesday night. So he'll be out. I think it's, I don't think it's anything massive. It's day to day, uh, but they just want to be uh, cautious with him uh, early in the season, which you can understand why that is. So Curtis McDermott is going to be the guy that's going to get the uh, spot uh, inserted into the uh, lineup on the blue line for Colorado, which I like because we might see a tussle now. Uh, tonight yep. in this game, you know <laughs> Curtis McDermott can handle himself. Yes, so hopefully, someone on Seattle. I'm thinking maybe uh, Alexiak, perhaps someone along those lines might be able to uh, drop. They get scrapped too. Those are, those yeah, are two big, be, big boys. They would be. So I'd, I'd like to see that little Alexiak versus McDermott dance card tonight. Uh, potentially, that would be cool to see. Uh, after seeing Jacki and Cassian fight last night, we saw a good fight in the Minnesota game. Brandon Duhame and Riley Stillman. Uh, last night. I mean, actually, we've had a decent amount of fights here the last couple nights. I like seeing it. We need Good. more of this shit. Love, love to see it. Love to see it. Hope, it. hope to see a fight with with Hawks in Detroit as well. I mean, like I said, not not really a whole lot of fighters on that team. But there's a couple of guys that can throw some hands. So you know, uh, and a rivalry, and and of course, Tampa Bay, Florida. Maybe this is a night. This would have to be the first night in a long time, even though it's only three games. This would be the first night in a long time where there's multiple games potentially where every game on the board we see a fight. Yeah, it's funny. I was as the games were going on, I was texting with Jay Rosehill last night. He's going to be on the show Tuesday uh, with us uh, here on the Ice Guys. He threw the he dropped the gloves just a uh, just a few times in the NHL when he played here. <laughs> you know what? And we were saying we need to build up a heavyweight division again in the NHL, and it's possible. And you know why it's possible? Because of a guy like Arbor Jacki, who is a huge player, who's a heavyweight type of class, who can handle himself, drop the gloves, but he can play, and that's what we need. We need hopefully more Arbor Jack guys in our future where they're heavyweight players, but they have a space in this league because they're not one dimensional. They're not players where all they can do is fight. All they can do is drop the gloves. They can play hockey. They can move the puck. They're good defensively position wise. They can help their team win. You know, they can do other things. And that's why I'm hoping in the next five, 10 years. And I know Alex, who's a proponent of fighting in this league, like I am, we want, more Arbor Jack guys that can play with that kind of size, with that kind of, you know, fighting ability to toughness, physicality, to, that they can play at a, at a level that keeps them in the league so that they can stay in the league and they can get in foot fights in the NHL and, yeah. and they can be involved in the league because it's going to have to be that way. They're not, nobody's bringing in a player of that size, a heavyweight type player. If all they can do is fight, they've got to be able to play. They've got to be able to show some kind of ability with their overall game. Well, and, and on the flip side too, you know, the second and third line guys, and, and, and even some top and five guys, are, skate. yeah, yeah, of course, but yeah, but but the guys on the other on the other lines, you know, uh, obviously they they have their own roles, but they have to learn how to defend themselves too. You know, in an era where we really we've arguably seen more cheap shots in the last decade than we have since going back to the '60s and '70s. Yeah. Uh, when, of course, it was a virtually lawless league uh, at times, it seemed like. This is definitely that, that era where, like I said, the enforcer role isn't dead yet. It's still alive, but it has to be, like I said, a complement to your overall game, not just the focal point of your game. And so with that being said, some of these second and third line guys, there's some guys who can score and handle the puck well, but, but can hold their own and, and fights. Uh, and hopefully we just see that increasement throughout the league because then, you know, it, it, guys can handle themselves nice, police things on the ice. Then, you know, we don't see as many dirty hits, as many cheap shots, or as many guys missing games because of suspensions. Yeah. I mean, Nick uh, Deloria is another guy that comes to mind, right? Uh, acquisition for the wild. I mean, he's a, he chips in. I mean, you, 
you look at somebody like Ryan Reeves, who maybe not the best skater, but I think can chip in as well. You know, a Pat Maroon, like there's these tough guys who to, 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 you know, um, your point, Ian, like you have to be able to skate this day and age. Fourth lines are a lot of times about speed now. So it's tough to fit some of those guys in, but um, there's definitely, you know, uh, those tough guys in the league now that are chipping in or able to put in 10, 12, 15 goals, even a year, um, which is, I think what you'll see. And ideally we, we, to, to your point, Alex, we'll see them, you know, kind of police the ice and try to diminish some of the, the dirty play for sure. Yeah. Uh, Brandon Duhame is a, a, one of those guys, fourth line guy, but he can, you know, won't give you a whole lot on the score sheet, but he does a lot physically throws the body around block shots, uh, clears the puck well when he's you know at least an average jones. skater or if not above average right. yeah. he's a slightly yeah. above average skater but he threw, threw the hands the other night in a, in a really good scrap uh you know against, against uh, vancouver so you know like i said it, it's just a uh, it's a compliment to the game now it's not your focal point you're not gonna you know uh, and, and not not to say that i don't miss the the days of having guys who just really roam the ice to clear the fight those were those were fun times but the game has evolved uh, but that should be part of the ev- evolution of it is that, you know, guys can still ha- handle their own and take care of themselves and their teammates. Yeah. I mean, you, you cannot be one dimensional. We're not going to, we're not, we're, I hate, you know, I, and I like those guys that were, they were there to police. They were there to stick up for their teammates and drop the gloves at every opportunity. That's what they were on the ice for. And, you know, the nineties and early two thousands, you're not going to see your Stu Grimson's anymore. Your Marty McSorley's anymore. Your Mick Fakoda. Remember him? Mick Fakoda way back, <laughs> way back in the day, mentioning a name like that. But you remember some of these guys in the nineties were really, they were fighters. They were out yeah. there to fight, drop the gloves. They weren't great in terms of skating and offense and doing things in terms of the realm of the hockey game to, to obviously help routinely, but they were there to fight, but you cannot, they're not going to bring players for solely that reason onto a line, roster anymore this day and, and age. Just and, and, one, and one more quick thing to wrap it up to the evolution of the game. You've got skilled players who have spent their whole careers playing alongside skilled players that didn't need that kind of a protection. You know, look at a, a Sidney Crosby, Alex Ovechkin and Patrick Kane, right? Three of the best players in the world, arguably at that, at the given time in, in the height of their careers. They didn't have to have somebody like a Marty McSorley kind of lugging around as, as a winger. They got to play with Alex DeBrinkin and, and Artemi Panarin and Evgeny Malkin and Nick Backstrom to have, to facilitate them and, and even give them more scoring opportunities. So just imagine if Gretzky and Lemieux and all those guys didn't have to have that kind of protection alongside on the ice. If they were able to play with all just all you know star line, all you know high skill line what right. they could have done more. So so that, that just shows you the evolution of the game, that, that your skilled players, you don't have to have somebody babysit them. But, you know, like I said, you still want to have somebody on that team when they, when, when the bell needs to, the call needs to be answered, the bell's wrong, uh, they can step up there and do the job. Yeah, no doubt. And RIP John Cordick indeed. And that guy was tough as nail. I mean, I could go on and on about that. Sure. John Cordick, Joey <laughs> Kosher, Kelly Buckberger, uh, Dennis Bonvi. Uh, you go on, there's just so many from ba- Gino Ojic. I mean, mm-hmm. holy mackerel, there's just tons of them uh, back in those days where, you know, unfortunately, 2022 NHL, it's hard for, if, if they were around, it'd be hard for them to crack a roster. Damn near impossible uh, for some of them. It's just the way it is. But that's what makes the Arbor Jack Eye story so great. He's huge. He's a towering presence. He's a menace. He's an incredibly good fighter. We've seen that because he's won every fight I think he's had in the NHL so far. But he can skate. He can move. He can play defense. He can do things to help the team on the ice. And I want more of that because I want more fighting. And if you're going to have fighting in this league, you're going to have to have players that can do more than just that to help their hockey team. Uh, Nate, what do you think here? Seattle, Colorado. 
Uh, preaching to the choir, uh, I, I love the over too. It was one of the first things I looked at. And I mean, to go back into the stats, right? Um, Seattle, who who has a lot of offensive players, you look at expected goals for five on five. Um, they're at the top of the league in, in terms of scoring less than expected, right? They're expected to have about five more goals five on five than they do. I think you have two goalies that r- really aren't struggling. You laid out the stats. Grubauer hasn't been great. Um, either goalie on on Colorado, really not a starting goalie in the league, in my opinion. I think when you look at Seattle's decor, they have some, you know, stalwarts and Alexiak and some of those folks who are defensive minded. But Larson, uh, Justin Schultz, uh, Vince Dunn all, all want to be puck moving defensemen. They're, they're not really stay at home. I think that allows a lot of offensive opportunities. And the other two things, I mean, you mentioned it, but these two teams are 28th and 25th on the penalty kill in the league. On the flip side, they're first and eighth in power play percentage, and they're also top twenty in penalty minutes taken. So, like everything to me adds up to the over here. I think six and six and a half is really a gift with this Colorado team. I also think Seattle coming to Colorado. I, I maybe like Colorado here after a tough loss in Winnipeg to uh, uh, at puck line. I mean, I think it's minus one ten, so it's not great value. But if you're going to be on Colorado, you have to take the puck line with with how juicy their their money line bets are, and so. I think Seattle having to come into to Colorado tonight is going to be tough. I think Colorado puts up, you know, uh, four or five goals and, and, and maybe you know, sneaks away with a, a 5-2 win, something like that. And, and we see over six and a half hit and, and, and the avalanche puck line is a, a lean for me as well. So the other thing, and, and, and I probably wouldn't play it, but, you know, Maddie, uh, uh, what is it, Maddie Berners or, or Berners? I mean, Maddie Berners, yeah, yeah. yeah. he's, he's like, you know, putting up points already. Their power play is getting a lot of opportunities. You know, he's at uh, over uh, to have a, a point tonight is minus 120. I think he's, you know, also another uh, another guy I'd maybe look at. I don't know about scoring, but goal or assist with the way their power play works and in Colorado's penalty kill is, is maybe another lean for me. But um, definitely the over. I, I think it's the best bet of the night out of the three games. And and that's it might, that might be a, a kind of last call for alcohol situation with that kind of value on him because if he keeps getting a point per game. That's only going to go up to 125, 130, 135, et cetera. So, yeah, agreed. Yeah, you're preaching to the choir, Nate, about the uh, Matty Beniers props. I mean, I've uh, certainly mentioned them a couple of times this year. Goal scorer prop is his to score a goal tonight is plus 300 to plus 330, you know, in some spots to score a goal. And his point prop is still very reasonable. You know, I'm seeing as low as minus 102 at Pinnacle uh, to get a point and minus 120, minus 125. That's still very reasonable. Matt Beniers just to get one point tonight for the uh, Seattle uh, Kraken. They're better offensively, too, with Burakovsky and Bjorkstrand uh, added to this team. So we figured they'd, they'd be better offensively. I know they had those couple games there, Vegas and Carolina. They scored just two goals, one goal uh, in those two games. But we think the Seattle team is going to be better offensively. And overall, they have still in their first five games, they have scored three-plus goals in three of the five games so far this year. So... Uh, I think we're uh, all in agreement here. We should see some goals tonight with the uh, Kraken uh, and the Avs. All right, great stuff. Uh, that's your Friday uh, NHL card, three games. Uh, great analysis, as always, with Alex B. Smith, my colleague, and our guest, uh, Nate Rapensky. And thanks to everyone in the chat for joining us. Hit the like button. Uh, make sure you do that on the uh, way out. And, of course, check out patreon.com slash iceguys. Just $10 a month. Great content. The daily Ice Guys card is always available there. Power ratings, weekly goalie charts for Alex. From Alex and a whole lot more, patreon.com slash ice guys. So make sure you check that out. Yeah, definitely. We got up there, uh, Chris Otto, friend of the program. He will 
be doing some of his first period charts. We'll have those up there at least once a week, if not twice. Of course, he's got his own page, too, that you can check out Otto's Hockey Portal for the more expansive uh, notes. But we'll have all the first period stuff on the Patreon page as well. It's just $10 a month. We got some bonus content coming up. We're going to do some rankings and some charts and videos. So we got a lot of cool things there. Someone mentioned in the chat about us doing uh, super chats moving forward. We might get to that at some point. Uh, there'll be more details where people can, you know, you can tip us or, or kind of, you know, d- donate to the program if you so choose. So that's something we, we might uh, do as well. We got a lot of things that are kind of moving parts and yeah. working, uh, you know, behind the scenes that we're getting, uh, you know, geared with towards, the, you know, moving forward in the season. Yeah, it would, it would help uh, that kind of stuff to go into motion if uh, YouTube hadn't denied a request to monetize the channel that I made a long time ago. But that's another right. story. Come on, YouTube, yeah. get with the program here. We're uh, getting close to 3K subscribers. It's time to move on that. Uh, but we'll try again. We'll see if we can get that done. But uh, nevertheless, uh, great stuff. Uh, Nate, you're welcome to join us, obviously, anytime. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Happy to be back on. I'm looking forward to some of these games tonight and, and hopefully, you know, my uh, Minnesota Wild getting back on track. But uh, thanks, guys. Always uh, a pleasure and uh, have a great weekend. All right. And we will wrap up with best bets now before we uh, call it a show. As always, uh, frustrating for me last night. <laughs> I go 10 and 2 on the NHL card. And one of the two losers was my best bet on the show, which was Anaheim Boston over the total, which didn't even come close. But we'll see if we can uh, rally back today. Uh, Alex, for this Friday card, what do you like for best bet? Yeah, we're going to the late night game, Colorado, Seattle. First period over two. Like I said, try to look for a plus price, but anything minus a dollar ten or better uh, is definitely worth betting here. This is uh, These are two teams that are flying high early and often, and uh, I don't see where the defense comes in, at least uh, early in the contest. I think we're going to see a Colorado team that's fired up. Seattle's offense, I think that's going to continue to to, to blossom and, and, and you know, come, with, come through with some solid scoring uh, early in the contest. So Kraken, Avalanche. First period over two, uh, minus 10, but we're trying to shoot for a plus price. I got plus 105. Uh, so, like I said, definitely shop around for the best of that number. All right, there it is. Seattle, Colorado, over two, first period, best bet for Alex P. Smith. Uh, Nate, uh, what do you like for best bet? Yeah, I'm going to go boring and straightforward. Uh, I think six and a half, uh, Seattle and Colorado. I take that all day. I, I hit it pretty hard. I saw MDR 24 in the chat, too. It looks like if you if you have the availability to look at alternate totals, uh, abs money line and over five and a half might be plus 100. So even odds on that, Colorado at home, I absolutely love. So, But for me, six and a half, I think, is a lock in this game. I think Colorado is scoring four or five goals minimum. And with Seattle's uh, sort of renewed and, and – um, uh, you know, improved offense this year. Um, I, I think six and a half is a, a pretty light total for this game. I would have expected it at seven, and I think uh, the line's a little misplaced. So that's uh, that's the bet for me. All right, there we go. Uh, Seattle, Colorado, over six and a half. Uh, best bet for Nate Rapensky here on this Friday card. And mine is going to be the same. Seattle, Colorado, over six and a half here uh, for my best bet. Minus 130 to minus 135. Still out there uh, on this. I think we'll see seven goals. Keep in mind, and Colorado off a loss. Uh, from a side perspective, it would be Colorado in some form, regulation or puck line or nothing. I don't bet against this team off a loss, rarely ever. And they're off one against Winnipeg. The last time they were off a defeat this year, they lost to Calgary last week. Then they bounced back in Minnesota. They beat the Wild 6-3. to three. So, you know, this team's usually pretty good off a loss. And that game, of course, went over the total as well. Colorado off a loss. So I would lean Colorado. But my best bet for this Friday card is going to be uh, Seattle, Colorado, over six and a half, minus 130 uh, for my best bet. All right, that'll wrap up this edition 
of the Ice Guys. Thanks to everyone in the chat for joining us. Hit the like button again on the way out. A reminder, the Ice Guys is live seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. Although it's going to be a little bit later tomorrow. Our guest, Kyle Bond, uh, is uh, got some recreational sporting activities in the morning. So he's going to, once he gets home, he's going to join us right away. So around 1230, quarter to one uh, Eastern time is about when we will get the uh, show going tomorrow for a huge Saturday card. Uh, so make sure you join us for that tomorrow uh, on the ice guys, a huge amount of games as usual on a Saturday. Yeah. And I think we got a couple of early games before the show. If we like any plays there, follow us at the underscore ice guys on Twitter. We will tweet those out, whichever plays uh, I or Ian have, we'll, you know, have that marked aside well in the morning before uh, the show begins. Yeah, exactly. We're going to, we're aiming for 1230 to 1245 PM Eastern time. We'll post anything we like in the two early games, but we'll be able to get to them too on the show, even before the puck drops uh, on those two games. So, and those would be uh, San Jose, New Jersey and Minnesota, Boston, uh, the two really early games tomorrow. So looking forward to Kyle Bond joining us again tomorrow on the show. Uh, Join us for that. Uh, and make sure you download the Ice Guys podcast available on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and more. Uh, download the Ice Guys podcast when you can't watch the show live. For Alex P. Smith and Nate Rapensky, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Friday night. Enjoy the games and good luck. And we will talk to you again tomorrow on Saturday for another edition of the Ice Guys presented by National Hockey Now. 